This is not what we are dealing with. That they are not willing. The announcement is on, but there are no changes in the country. Namibia did not change. The church went on with its normal activity. Nigeria did not change. They went on their normal activity with their normal churches. Kenya, all over the city here, the other churches just moving on with their normal activity. Uganda, same thing. Except if you go to the altars of the Lord. But the altars of the Lord are not the total country. This prophecy, we are told the entire Egypt changed. The entire Egypt changed. From city to city, county to county, town to town, village to village changed. As they, okay, Kenya is very massive now. You cannot ignore it. But there are still a lot of churches doing their own things. They don't have any agenda about the coming of the Messiah. And in fact, they are not even announcing it. They are not even preaching it. As far as they are concerned, I think the Messiah is not even coming back. Otherwise, they would do something about it, right? He says, even though they know the biblical truth that the destiny of sinners is hell, they simply don't care. And when you preach to them about the coming tribulation, he says, it causes their hearts to even harden, Father, my Lord. <laughs> you don't want to be there. You don't want to be in the lugar muy peligroso. That is very deadly. Their hearts are hardened, Father. Instead of causing their hearts to be repentant. Be careful with the constant sin you see in the church today. Let us be careful with that sin. So they choose damnation. That's what you could say. They choose that direction. They choose damnation. And yet we know very well that the Lord, he says in Daniel 12 verse 1, he came out very openly. He said there is a difficult time coming. We saw that pronounced very severely, including Israel needing divine intervention. It's that much serious. And so these people in the book of Daniel, uh, Revelation chapter 13, Revelation 13, blessed people, as we finish, we have so much ahead of us here. I will need a, a person to read for me the Bible so we can finish. Revelation chapter 12, just stand up there and start reading the Bible so we can make progress. Really, that's the better way to do. Revelation 13 verse 8, and you are reading very fast today, you are opening your Bible a little faster. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8, you read it. The Bible says, The Bible says, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So you see, that is what Daniel was talking about when he said that the wicked will continue being wicked. He was simply referring to them that they will worship the beast. Those ones that refuse to obey the prophecy. Those that refuse to change their ways. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 4 and then we are going to read verses 10 and uh, 9, 10 there also. The Bible says, He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. And then go to verse 10 now down from verse 9. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of display of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways that all wickedness deceives those who are perishing. After verse 12 we are reading. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. And so they said, perish because they refuse to love the truth. And so God sets out, he must judge them. Read on very fast. And so to be saved, for this reason, 
God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Revelation chapter 6 verses 15 and 16 in a hurry. Uh, I want to finish with this piece. The Bible says verse 15 Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the wealthy, the mighty, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Very serious. If you read the book of Revelation, chapter 16, right away, verse 9, and then we we'll read verse 11 and verse 21. The Bible says, they were, they, they were seared by the in, they were seared by the intense heat, and they cast the name of God, who had control over the plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. Verse 11. Verse 11. They refused to repent and glorify him. Can you imagine the amount of heat that comes and burns your back and sears off your flesh? It's very painful, but they still refuse to repent. Be very careful with the present church that is refusing to repent. Be very careful. They are hearing the announcement, but they are refusing to repent. That could just be the generation of beast worshippers, the generation of the tribulation, the great tribulation. Because with all that judgment, they refuse to repent. They steadfastly continue in rebellion. Continue. Verse 11, and cast the God of heaven... Look at what they are doing. They are now turning around trying to cast the God of heaven. Continue. Because of their pains and their souls. Look at that. They are in deep pain. Out of judgment, they know the Lord is the one doing this. But instead of turning to the Lord, asking for mercy, look at, they try to cast the God of heaven. That is unbelievable. Be careful with the habitual sin that is going on in the church. Be very careful. It builds up to something else. Especially after missing the rapture. Then you just take that lineage. Total. Continue. But they refused to repent of what they had done. The bottom line, but they refused to repent. Be careful with the generation that refuses to repent. Be very careful with the generation that refuses to repent. It's very deadly. It's unbelievable. But they refuse to repent. Be very, very careful with the generation that refuses to repent. It is not a small thing. Repentance is the only thing when somebody comes preaching repentance, you must all obey. You must all obey. Say, oh, no, no, no. That one is from God now. Because the devil has never sent anybody to tell a sinful generation to repent in Christ Jesus and prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Never ever. When someone comes preaching repentance, that one you must always obey. Because that one is from the Lord. But for you to refuse repentance, that is unbelievable. So, have you read verse 21 also? Verse 21. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about Are you saying huge hailstones? You're calling heli? Can you read it well? From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell on people. And they cast God. Look at that. On account of the plague of hail. I, I wanted to go into glorification today. Because the Lord by voice told me. But I said, if I don't finish this, I will have done a great disservice to you to understand the dangers of sin and rebellion. This is important for you to understand that it is very deadly to be sinful and to be in rebellion all the time. You finished it? Because the plague was so terrible. So they are irredeemably totally stubborn in their sins. They are irredeemably totally stubborn in their rebellion. Is That's what I pick from there. And he says here, 
If you read Revelation 19 verse 20 also, 20 and 21, I think it's 20 where they don't repent again. Revelation 19 verse 20. The Bible says, But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs of it on its behalf. Oh yeah, so, so that, they, they, that's their destiny. Matthew 25, 31. Matthew 25, 31, as we move on. The Bible says, and then 41. The Bible says, verse 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 41. Just read throughout, up to 41, throughout. In a hurry, we don't have time. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. So you're Three. reading Matthew 25, right? Yes, please, my Lord. Okay, please. read verse 41. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed. Okay, so no, th that's the contrast. So now those that believe the prophecy, they are admitted into a kingdom prepared for them by their father, Jehovah Elohim. They are admitted, they are invited to go to that kingdom. And then the ones who perpetually in rebellion, all of a sudden say, these are cursed. That only through the curse can you refuse to obey such a prophecy about the coming of the Lord. It's a very terrible thing the Lord is talking here. Hallelujah. And so now, I want to summarize in the following. The resurrection of Christ was the center of the hope. Remember where we began from? First Thessalonians chapter 4. Those who are here from day 1. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, talking about resurrection. Talking about dying and resurrecting. And we said that that hope they have is centered on the glorious resurrection of Christ himself. And so that glorious resurrection of Christ is what allowed, you saw the types of resurrection, the types, how the Bible presents resurrection. Aaron's budded rod. We also read from the book of Psalm 23 verse 4. And that resurrection is what instructs the resurrection of all human beings. Are you able to read John chapter 2, 18, 19? In a, I have a lot of scriptures, so you need to move in a hurry. In a hurry. I have a lot of scriptures. I just want to clear them so that we can start on glorification. John chapter 2 verse 19. Jesus, I said 18 and 19. Verse 18. The Jews then responded to him. What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Very serious. And so, resurrection is the greatest miracle of all miracles that ever happened. The resurrection of Christ. That's what he's trying to say there. That is our hope. It's the greatest wonder of all wonders. And he's saying also that there is a specific day that is coming whereby that resurrection will achieve the hope it gave us. There is that particular day. If we get time, we'll be able to read there. Matthew 6, 16, 21, real fast. We don't have much time. I need to start with glorification. The Bible says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the, on the third day, be raised to life. And um, John 20, 17. Look at the chronology I'm walking with you. Centering the resurrection of Jesus as our hope. John 20, 17. Jesus said, Do not hold on me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. He has come out of the tomb already. The tomb is now empty. He has come out of the tomb. The tomb is now empty. Do not hold on to me, he says. He has come out of the tomb. I'm walking with you a chronology 
that you may be able to understand the hope, this tremendous hope we are talking about, right? That is centered on the resurrection of Jesus. You can read Matthew 27, 50 and 51. Admitted us. Matthew 27, 50, 51. Matthew 27, Very fast. The Bible says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy Very people... Very powerful. The body of many people resurrected, right? Yes, please, my Lord. Okay, you are answering me. I'm shocked. I'll just kick you out. Can you read? We don't have time. I'm going to kick you out. Verse 52. And the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to So admitted people. us. Admitted us into the holy of holies. The curtain ruptured. Admitted us into the holy of holies. The resurrection of Christ. Very serious. That is the hope he was talking about in First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14. I want to open up on that hope because that hope was foretold in the Old Testament. That hope was the gospel coming. That hope is what the Lord told Abraham in Genesis 12 verse 3. That will be a blessing to all the nations. Hallelujah. Oh yes. I need to finish up with resurrection real fast. So if you can read Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. He is the firstborn from among the begotten. Is the first begotten from among the dead. Then you see that now, because of his resurrection, he is the firstborn. He is the first to come out. So even you now, you can resurrect. I really want to run this very fast. Verse five. Just allow me run through this because this is a discipleship session. It was not a popular topic or conversation because then you have everything when you go. You really have everything with you. Revelation 1 5, read very fast. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. The first begotten from among the dead. He is the first one that came out. And so you'll see that even the resurrection that is promised you, promised the church, promised humanity, is part of his resurrection. Part of that resurrection. We call it the first resurrection. Move on very fast because of my time. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. First Corinthians chapter 6, 14. He says the following. Can you read? The Bible says. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. The Bible says. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. And he will raise us. And so Lord. because of that, even us. Hallelujah. So you are now beginning to understand the tremendous hope that why our hope is centered on the glorious resurrection of the Messiah. Our hope is centered there. My daughter Keke, now you have a seat here. I'd reserve two seats. You have a seat there. My daughter Kerubo is sitting here now. Thank you so much. I'd reserve the seat there. Thank you so much. So this is very powerful. He's saying because of that, even us, we now expect a resurrection. By the same power that resurrected Jesus, he will resurrect us. I mean, I'm talking about you and everybody else, right? Hallelujah. Yes. So he says, Father, Second Corinthians chapter 4.14, he says. The Bible says. I just want to plow through the bulk of scripture that I just prepared for you. That in that context, when you go to preach, you are now rich in this. And you just preach it. You present it to your people. It will change their lives. Hallelujah. Move on very fast. We are handling the resurrection of Christ. How it touches the resurrection of humanity. Mankind. Move on. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead mm -hmm. will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That is powerful. And then now, the resurrection of Christ. So look at this now. 
He's saying, as we saw already, we are simply giving you scriptures to back up that. We saw that the resurrection of Christ is our hope. We who are born again. That is the great hope that uh, is laid there in verse 13 and 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But then, after seeing how the resurrection of Christ combines resurrection, then now he divides people into two based on that. The whole earth into two. Those who are born again and holy, please you have to add and holy. Born again and holy and righteous. He says for them, that resurrection of Christ now ordains, ordains a reward for them. Hallelujah. I mentioned it in passing. Can you read it now right away? The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, of course, 13 and 18, we have read. You don't have to read it. The rapture of the church. Because of the resurrection of Christ, now you see a group of people resurrected there and glorified. That's where the foundation of our scripture is. The verses we are handling is 13 and 14. But that is because of resurrection of Christ that now they have that blessing and reward. Hallelujah. And then he says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, read it on verse 10. If you would do verse 8 to 10 would be powerful, but 10 is my target for now. Read 8 to 10. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. That is serious. Because we are sure he has given us a safe passage beyond the valley of the terrors and the horrors of death. So we fear no evil anymore. So we can pass through that valley and we know we are sure we are going to make it through the other end. And so that's what, what they are saying there. So therefore you can now stand up and say, we have great confidence that it's better to be away from this body and be with the Lord. That's why that statement is being made very powerfully. Read it and finish up to 10. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Verse 10. For, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. But that is very powerful. If you go to verse 8, you can go deeper. Depending on how you want to read the Bible, if you want to get it deeper, you can go deeper with verse 8. Better? Uh, she's not reading. Verse 8. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. That is serious. If you look, let's look at that statement very deep. To prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. That is serious. If you talk about the corruptible body, yes. You prefer to be out of this and then be in the presence of the Lord because forever shall you be with the Lord. Hallelujah. That is very, very serious. Read it again. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Prefer to be away from the body. And at home with the Lord. That is serious. At one point you need to understand this. Because if you ask every Christian, do you want to die and then later the rapture happens? Or you want the rapture to happen when your life to be translated so you go straight? They will always tell you, I want to be alive so I can be translated. They don't want to go through the tombs, right? So that scripture, let me leave that to you. To examine that scripture. So it says further on. Revelation 21, 1 and 5 real quick. The rewarding of the Christians. How the resurrection of Christ. Is the one that ordained. Pronounced. The rewarding of those who are Christian and holy. The resurrection of Christ. Why? Because we saw that that is the hope. That is the hope we celebrate. In the scripture that defines the rapture. He says, no, but you should not weep like that. For us Christians, we don't weep as the world that has no hope. So we are now on that hope. And it's powerful. Revelation 21, verses 1 and 5. You can read 1 and 8 if you want. In a hurry, then I will open up more things. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
The resurrection of Christ is the one that commanded the creation of the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. Let's put it this way, better. The glorious resurrection of Christ is that the one that commanded the glorious new heaven, the glorious earth, and the glorious new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Because the reward, the, remember the reward, the hope we have is the reward. The reward for those who are born again so we don't weep like the world. That is what he prepared for us. Can you just read through very fast? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. But that's down. amazing. Are you seeing the bigger picture together? Somebody look at me now. The bigger picture is that the first heaven and first earth, they use the word passed away, have died. And now there's a resurrection. There's a new heaven and the new earth have just resurrected. Hallelujah. The resurrection of Christ is very powerful. We may never understand it in this age. It's very massive, very muy, muy profundo. We may never understand the extent of the power and the enormidad, the enormity of the resurrection of Christ. But brought into being, commanded the formation of the new heaven, new earth. Read very fast. Verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. Another one that has no sin. Just like now, an eternal body that has no sin. You will also, now he's talking about a new Jerusalem. Not the old one. Not this one. Contested, full of sin and everything. Rebellion. A new one now. That is glorious. Has no sin. I have seen it. And the Lord by voice said, the eternal home of the righteous. That is serious. That is absolutely serious, blessed people. That is quite serious. Are we together? That is very, very serious. The resurrection of Christ is not a joke. It has commanded serious hope, I mean blessing and reward of that magnitude. And if, he, if she reads, if she reads further, if she's able to read very fast, at one point he says that all this is yours for the inheriting. Can you just read through? Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I but that is amazing. He now changes it. He changes it. Because you are the bride of Christ. But... God in his sovereignty, sometimes you are the bridesmaids. Matthew 25, right? So God in his sovereignty is incontestable, indisputable, right? But he's simply trying to come close to us, the condescendence. God takes a condescendence. I don't know whether there's a word in Chinese for condescendence. Abuse. Abuse. Almost an abuse. Yes. Like God taking an abuse. God lowering himself. Very good. God takes a condescendence to take an enormous thing like eternity in heaven and he uses carnal events like a wedding of man but with the purpose of transmitting, to make us understand the eternity is too complex we could not understand. So God had to lower himself and use human events to underscore to us some esoteric truths. Some deep truths that we may now understand. Oh, he said like this. I saw looking like a rainbow. Like light. Like, like, como, como. Like a dove. Like a huge white dove. Como. May not be a dove. Eh? Like an eagle. God takes a condescendence that he may reach our level. So that we may understand the enormity of the things of eternity. Hallelujah. Verse, so, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Uh -huh. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. That is the reward you see placed in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 4. 13 and 14. The hope we have, the hope that should, he is actually saying, should instruct how you live on the earth. That hope. That should make you live in contradistinction. Totally different from those unborn again. 
Because for you of that hope, this tremendous hope of eternal life in the presence of God, sinful man, a homosexual generation, finally washed by the blood and accepted into the glorious family of God. This is very serious. This is unbelievable. It's like a scandal. It's almost a scandal. Okay, we call it the scandal of the grace, right? It's a scandal because if God was to weigh for you, give you as you have done, it would be a thorough judgment, right? You cannot manage it. Hallelujah. And that's why I'm saying today the two of you will be forgiven, right? So, so can, can you move on? There will be his people. There will be his people, meaning he's, he's now ready to do what? To publicly identify with you. What an awesome God. That is now grace proper. He is now willing to publicly, look at this now, publicly own you. Own you. Hallelujah. Can you continue? And God himself will be with them and be Do you now, can, can I just stop there? Do you understand the hope he was talking about in the book of First Thessalonians? Those who are here, day one. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Even those who are not here, you can, this you know, this scripture you know. Do you now understand the enormity of that hope? Enormidad de esta esperanza. It is muy, muy profundo. It's very big. It's imperceptible in this life. It's not easy to understand it in this life. You can only take it piece by piece. When he said, but for you, you have hope. Why are you crying? And weeping bitterly that your sister has died, your mother has died, your brother has died, your husband has died, your wife has died. Why are you weeping hopelessly like that and saying things and throwing your headscarf and saying, What shall I do? Where will I go now? I'm finished now. Oh, Peter, is that really you lying there? What, what, why are you doing that? Why are you mourning like that? He says you shouldn't. He's not telling you to stop mourning. Not at all. But he's saying the funerals of the Christians and those of the non-born again should be totally different. That the funerals of those who are born again and holy at the point of death should literally simply be the celebration of a life well lived. Hallelujah. That is what the Lord is saying. And he's saying if you go to the streets and you look at a Christian, like in Kenya, for example, where now the economy is tough at this hour, and you walk in the streets, you should be able to see two types of people. You should be able to see the Christians are walking in joy. In joy. Why? Because they know that they have hope beyond this life. Hallelujah. That is what the Lord is saying there. But you see now, in expanding that scripture, that verses 13 and 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you understand now better and deeper that we must now really come out and just be different, walk with hope, and focus on that hope. And the Lord is saying, that that hope should make you live your life differently. More heavenly focused, now waiting for the Messiah. Are we together? I thought that was important. Continue reading 20, uh, uh, Revelation 21. Verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Why? I don't want to jump the gun here. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Continue. There will be no more death. There will be no more death. Or mourning. Why? Because if we had a chance to go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 15, where we are going to celebrate the rapture of the church again in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. If you read verses 54 on to 55, you see that Jesus steps forward and pow, finish death. He finished murder. He stepped forward. It's like he comes into the scene and asks you, 
who is this that has been disturbing you here? Which one? Is it that one? Then he walks to him and then, pow, finished him today. Oh, yes. He finishes the power of death, the sting of death in 1 Thessalonians 15. And that's why now you see that hope is exuded over there as in there will be no more sin that causes death. There will be no more pain that comes from sin. Sin brought everything. There will be no more mourning that is a result of sin and death. Why? Because Jesus has finished death. Oh, let us do this. Do you remember verse 17, my sons and daughters? Do you remember verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians? Um, yo leo Primera Thessalonense, capítulo 4, versículo 17. Verse 18 says, verse 17 says, with Jesus forever, he says the following, verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That we will be with the Lord forever is a very serious statement. That should be the benchmark of your Christian salvation. Meaning, nothing will ever separate you from Jesus again. If he goes to heaven, you go with him. If he's coming to, the new, to, to Jerusalem, brother, in the second coming, you come with him. If he's going into the millennial kingdom, you go with him. If he's going into the eternal state, you will go with him. If he's entering the new Jerusalem, you'll enter with him. The new heaven. So that should cause you to really focus on the coming of the Messiah. That is what the Lord is saying here. But if you read verse 18, it's even more powerful. Read verse, verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians. We are talking about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one In the other version here, let me pick it here. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Therefore, read it again. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Why? Because he has defeated death. So then, you know that you are going to defeat death. The day of rapture, the prophecy is saying, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. He is referring to this prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. And he's saying, people that have this type of prophecy in their hearts, given to them by the Lord, by privilege of their salvation, they are living their lives comforted no matter what. They are comforted that one day the Lord is going to take me where? Into heaven. So no matter the circumstances, right? So he's saying, wherefore, comfort one another with these words, because death, that is the day you will defeat death. That is the day you will wear a glorious body. No more pain. No more cancers. No more tumors. Bleeding diseases. And all these things that have bothered you here on this earth. Right? No more blindness, crippledness, deafness. So he's saying, we need to focus on this hope. Hallelujah. Continue. He's saying, therefore comfort. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now, Comfort one another with these words. Uh, again, 1 Corinthians 15, 54, 57, real fast, and then I want 58. The Bible says, verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, uh, yes. and the mortal with immortality, yes. then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Now, we know how cruel death is. That is why he was telling you that in verses 14 and 13 and 14, he was telling you that don't mourn as people without hope. He was essentially taking death. Death is cruel. Death is very cruel because death is associated with the fruit, the product of sin. And when people die, it's normally looked at like, oh, we have, lost that. we have lost that battle. The enemy has won. That's how it's considered. That's why there is mourning. 
But he's saying for you people that have this hope of the coming of the Messiah, the rapture, you can literally, you should literally take death and combine it with hope. Death now combined with hope. Those are two polar extremes. Death is totally on this side and hope is on this side. Hallelujah. And so wherefore comfort one another with these words. I need to finish this very fast. Continue. And it says, read for me the book of Hosea 13, 14. Real quick, it was prophesied already. Hosea 13, 14. The Bible says, Hosea 13, 14. The Bible says, verse 14, I will deliver these people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. That is what he meant. Much earlier, much earlier they had known that Jesus would come and defeat death. This is serious. That's a serious statement I've just given right there. They knew earlier that Jesus would come and defeat death. This is now the saints of the Old Testament. They knew earlier. That is serious, right? And then when you go, of course we read yesterday Job chapter 19, 25, 27. We read that. Can you just read it? I don't even have it here, but read it. The Bible says, Job chapter 19, verse, verse, uh-huh. verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Let, let me give a chance to the other languages to read. Hosea, uh, we're reading, we are, we are reading a Job chapter 19 verses uh, uh, 25 al 27. Verses 25 to 27. The Bible says... Hold it, hold it. He's reading. The other languages. In Chinese. Very serious. Already foretold that death would be defeated. But what... What is this that we are being told now you should combine hope with the book of Psalm 55 verses 4 to 6? Psalm 55 versículo 4 al 6, por favor. The Bible says Biblia dice The Bible says Psalms chapter 55 verses 4 and 6. My heart is in anguish. My heart is in anguish in me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. The terrorism of death has entered me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Fear and trembling have consumed me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Horror has now defeated me, overwhelmed me. Horror has overwhelmed me. After verse 6, you're finished. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Oh, that I should get the wings of the rapture, the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. That I may be raptured and fly away in the clouds and never ever be here again and experience the horrors, the terrors that are being described there, characterized with death. Okay, so very serious right there. And that's why he's telling you that you should now be joyful because you have defeated that. The Lord essential has given you the wings with which to fly. I don't know why their garments had this connection here, but I'm just saying that on the day of rapture, the Spirit of the Lord will lift you away. Out of all this. Yeah. You'll never have to suffer this again. That's why he said, where for comfort yourselves one another with these words. That is the hope of First Thessalonians chapter 13, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. That is the hope. He said, no, for us we cannot wail like that. Oh, Peter, you have left me like that. You are now lying there. Is that really you, Peter? Oh, what shall I do? Throwing the headscarf and doing things. He says, you cannot do that. You, you have hope. You cannot wail like those people, right? You simply celebrate a life well lived, if they lived it well, right? And so, continue then. 
He's saying, uh, John, I think John 16:33. I'm going to a place where you cannot. No, the world, this world will give you trouble. John 16:33. The Bible says, verse 33. We don't have time. I'm running. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you don't read very fast, I will cut you. You have to read and finish every scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. The Bible says, because I, I want to start on, and, on, on glorification. The Bible says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Again, Christ. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 and 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Very good. And then read for me Isaiah 66:24. Isaiah 66, versículo 24, por favor. The Bible says, verse 24, and they will go out and look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worms that eat them will not die. The fire that burns them will not be quenched. And they will be loathsome to all mankind. Very serious. And then now, read Luke 16, the reality of it. Luke 16, 19 to 31. The Bible says, There was a rich man that was dressed in purple and fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat that wood fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In heads, first of all, he was, what you, first of all, what you see there is that everybody has to die. Everybody must die. Unless the rapture happens when you are awake, alive, and you are part of the generation that don't taste death, you are translated. Otherwise, everybody has to die. So you have to do something about it, right? That's the first thing. Just move on very fast. 23. In Hades, where he was in torment. In Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this Agony, fire. torment and agony. Verse 25, the, but Abraham replied, Thank you so much. So you see the characterization of death and torment and terror and horrors of death. And he's saying, that is what the first resurrection of Christ wiped away for us. And it was given earlier. In the Old Testament, it was given that he would come and do it. And let's just read a few statements in the New Testament before we do that. Second um, Timothy chapter 1, 9 and 10. Secunde Timotheo, capítulo 1, versículo 9 y 10. Verse 1. Second, Again, Second Timothy chapter 1, 9 and 10. Verse 9, the Bible says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Verse 10, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and Very powerful. He has destroyed death, but that grace was given earlier, before time. That hope, that's why I said if I had time to go through that hope, that's why you see he celebrates that hope. He oh, let, let, let me say this. He celebrates this in Titus chapter 2, but look at this now. In Titus chapter 2, as he celebrates that hope, he talks about this waiting process waiting for our blessed hope. He calls it the blessed hope. The rapture of the church. And that waiting is not a passive process. If I have time, I'll read Luke chapter 12, 35, 40, and then you'll see that that waiting is characterized by the following. The instructing of your soul 
to avoid everything ungodly, everything worldly, and sinful desires of the flesh. And then to accept everything godly, holy, obedience unto God. The, the gospel is self-sufficient to train you and coach you on righteousness. This thing the church is doing today is evil and it's a lie. They are pretending or they are behaving as though the grace of Jesus, the grace of God, not tiene poder suficiente para liberar ellos. No. They are behaving as if Evangelio, the gospel of Jesus, not tiene poder suficiente. Does not have enough power to deliver them. That is a lie. When you read Titus chapter 2, I think let's just read all of it. Then you see that the grace of God has power both to instruct you and be sensitive to wickedness. And also to instruct you to choose holiness. Reject sin and evil. And then to accept righteousness and holiness. The grace of Jesus. 